Hello and welcome to the K Film Podcast. It's just going to be me for the next couple of pods as Dan is at home celebrating the arrival of his daughter and adjusting to the new world of being a father of two. Today I've got a great chat lined up with Dr. Neil Fox. Now I first met Neil back in 2008 when I had a film playing at Filmstock Film Festival. This is a film festival set up by Neil and his partner in film, Justin. And I can honestly say that Filmstock is the most fun I've ever had at a film festival. It's a brilliant experience which Neil and Justin designed entirely for filmmakers. Sadly, the festival closed in 2009, but luckily for everyone, it came back in 2019. And Neil has assured me that it will return again. Now, Filmstock is just one of the things we talk about today alongside Neil's work as a scriptwriter for feature and short films. Him being one half of the excellent Cinematologists podcast, which you should all be subscribing to, uh, which incidentally is also a favourite of Mark Kermode. We talk about Mark Jenkins, uh, a colleague of Neil's, and specifically Mark's film Bait, which Neil had a brief cameo in and which was also supported by Falmouth University, where they both work, as lecturers in between their work on films. We also touch upon the Filmmaker in Residence program that Neil has set up at Falmouth, which frankly is a genius idea that makes so much sense. It's amazing that no one has thought of it before now, but that's very much Neil always thinking ahead. Anyway, it's a lovely and informative chat, which I hope you enjoy. I'm delighted today to be joined by Dr. Neil Fox. Neil, the first question I've got is regarding the cinematologists. On the website, it refers to what you and Dario do as a podcast and a film club. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, so it's probably moved away from the film club element, uh, not just because of coronavirus, but just in terms of the, the the growth of the podcast. But it originally started as a a kind of live film a live event podcast. So the aim was always to screen a film and record an intro before it and then record the conversation with the audience afterwards. So it was very much about sharing films that we wanted to share with each other. You know, myself or Dario, who I do it with, would pick a film and one that, you know, one that we liked that the other one uh, hadn't necessarily seen or, you know, could be probed about kind of why we liked it or that we just wanted to sort of share with an audience and, and kind of talk about in that space. So it did a, it did start in that in that kind of film club mode with the idea of recording the, the event and then putting that out with a little bit of extra conversation around it. And uh, that's still the, the, the real heart of the podcast is, is that at least that energy and that desire to, to kind of take a title and uh, kind of, yeah, investigate it. So presumably when COVID's passed, you'll go back to the the live event aspect of it and you'll be doing it in front of a, a live audience again. Is that the plan? Very much so, yeah. Um, that's kind of evolved over the few years where we do it more with partners now. So we've worked with Mubi and Curzon and the BFI in terms of re-releases or new releases that they've asked us to, to kind of host events for, which has been real, really fun. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's something I'm itching to do is to kind of get back in a room with people and and kind of talk about movies yeah it's um i mean it's a strange time at the moment given that you know even that though things are opening up a little bit now i think you know people are still being understandably pretty cautious about it so most things well certainly from my perspective anyway uh, a lot of things are still happening remotely i mean i mean i presume you guys are still continuing you and dario are still continuing to record but just um independently from your own places at the moment yeah, but and that's but that's been the case for a while. Dario left Falmouth in maybe twenty sixteen. Oh really? Okay. Maybe late twenty fifteen. Um yeah. So we kind of started it and then he got a job in Brighton 
And so we've been working apart and putting together our own episodes in terms of events. So he would do an event with a film, record the, the live audience stuff, and then we would build the episode around that. But we would always record remotely and then piece it together in the edit with other interviews that we've done and, and stuff like that. So. Right, okay. Yeah, I didn't realise that because there's, because there's so often a live audience um, sound and feel to it. I just kind of assumed it was still it was still you guys up on a, up on a stage sort of chatting. And... The magic of podcasting. Um, yeah. Well, what, what was nice about that, though, was that it's, it really, that's when it started to become more of a, a kind of a club stuff, a club feel, particularly in the, the live events, because I would bring in people down here in, in Cornwall, like Mark Jenkin or my colleague uh, Kingsley Marshall, and uh, Dario would do the same up in Brighton uh, with a couple of the cinemas that he uh, sort of worked with. So it sort of opened up the, the contributors, which was quite nice. Okay. And do you guys ever get together for a, for a live session, the two of you, you know, with a live audience, so still between the other ones? Well, yeah, whenever we can. Okay. Um, so he's come down here uh, a little bit and we've done a, a couple of events in London. And uh, whenever I'm up that way, my family are in Luton still, which is where I'm from originally. Uh, we generally try and get together for a, a kind of, even if it's just a bonus, but, uh, but often a kind of full episode. And like the end of year, the end of year podcast, we always try and do together as well. So it's different when you're in the room. It's, 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 uh, yeah, there's something, there's something extra about it, which is good. Do you think, have you guys always had a, a thinking that you each bring something specific to the to the team uh you know as a pair or is there something that you bring and then that dario brings that kind of just works well together why, why is it you guys sort of teamed up to do it in the first place well we teamed up to do it because we worked together and we liked kind of going out watching movies and talking about them afterwards you know and and, and lamented the lack of a space to do that even within the university that we worked in you know there wasn't a there wasn't anything there before we we did it where there was a regular screening with kind of just chat and at the time we were fans of the Greg Proops film club which uh, is a very similar format um, but with Greg Proops kind of doing a stand-up intro to a film and then a kind of post-film debrief with his audience and just like the idea of it and it kind of it felt like something that we we could do and we thought originally it would just be for us you know just kind of in a few a few students might like it and a few colleagues that we knew around the country might like it. Um, but we didn't quite expect it to 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 build as much as it has. And I think that it's built largely because of what you're saying there, which was we both obviously have very distinct personalities and there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of symbiosis in terms of the the way we think about things and the way we want to approach at least kind of critiquing and contextualizing cinema. Uh, but it's clear that we're very different people and we have different tastes and we have different opinions and uh yeah it's we've never really analyzed it but it's it's quite obvious from talking to people since the podcast has been going that they like the dynamic and they like it best when it's just us two kind of talking which i think is really interesting because we're always trying to incorporate more voices but but often people say well it's nice when it's just the two of you going at it like challenging each other um 
kind of either on an opinion or uh, or something else. Well, there's kind of there's kind of a Kermode and Mayo kind of um, dynamic to it, I think, as well, where you kind of feel like there's it feels a bit like you're sort of two old friends just chatting, and they, you know, sometimes they agree, sometimes they disagree, sometimes they bicker a little bit on something, and um, but it's all done in a in a very kind of um, kind of warm kind of way. So it's quite, I think, quite engaging to listen to and just to follow along with. That's good. That's nice to hear. Do you guys have particularly different tastes in film? Yeah, very much so. Can um, give us some examples. Uh, well, he hates Pacific Rim, which is his 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 loss. Um, he hates Pacific Rim. I know. Yeah, he thinks it's bad, and you know, <laughs> on a on a basic level, there are lots of reasons why he's probably right. But um, yeah, we there's a famous episode early on where we really really get into it about Pacific Rim because I think it's great, <laughs> flawed. Yeah. Um, and I think that the my main problem with it is that it suffers from what a lot of modern blockbusters suffer from, which is um, you know, metrics-led casting. You know, mm. like I just don't think I love Idris Elba um, in The Wire. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he's a very good actor, particularly when he's using his own accent, and I just think he's really wooden in it. Uh, Charlie Hunnam, you know, I I really want to like Charlie Hunnam because he's in you know James Gray film, which I love, but he just you know, you can just tell why they've been cast, and they're just not—they're just not great casting uh, for those roles, and that really, really brings the film down in some areas. But I think it's a—I think it's really funny. I think it looks great, and yeah, just—I just think it's a great action movie. Um, he doesn't agree. Um, yeah, and then the last—the last time we really, we really disagreed and really had to work through how we were how we were talking about a film was clueless um when we did the bfi comedy season to yeah towards the was that last year maybe a year before um yeah that he just does not like clueless at all um, really yeah oh, i um, love clueless it's a good conversation actually cuz um it really kind of went to some interesting places in terms of why yeah why he doesn't like it um yeah and uh it was nice cuz when we did our 100th episode people sort of said that what they liked about it was that the you know we can push each other on our opinions but it's always good natured and as dario said you know like it's with the right intention you know i'm not trying to change his mind i'm not trying to humiliate him and vice versa it's just about you know wanting to know more about why a person thinks something um and it's better when we don't agree in that sense yeah absolutely it's, it's a bit more it's like like any drama isn't it it's the conflict is is where it gets interesting exactly I love Pacific Rim. I think I think Pacific Rim is kind of it's kind of the best. It's it's the Godzilla film and the H.P. Lovecraft film that have never been made or combined into one, which is just glorious. I think and um, agreed. Yeah. Pro- probably the closest. Well, hopefully not, but you know, it feels like the closest Guillermo del Toro will probably ever get to Mountain of Madness, which is which is sad. This is a bit controversial, but it's one of my favourite uh, del Toro films. Actually, I know that's that's probably a bit controversial. Not going for Pan's Labyrinth, or you know, or many of the others. No, it's my. It's definitely my favourite. And I, I'm not a huge del Toro fan. I can take or leave. Yeah. You know, like I really like Pan's Labyrinth, and I really like. Uh, I really like Hellboy, flawed as it is. I really like Hellboy, um, and uh, yeah, Kronos and the Devil's Backbone are, are great. Um, yeah, so yeah, and it's got Ron Perlman in it, so you know you can't go wrong there, really. Exactly, Ron exactly. Perlman and Charlie Day, Pacific Rim. Come exactly, on. exactly. What could possibly be wrong with it? Exactly. Let's let's rewind just a little bit. I wanted to obviously talk about film stock because that was such a 
that was such a chunk. That was like that was that nine or ten years that you guys ten did years, that for. Yeah. Ten years. So that was it. Looks years. like nine because of the. It was like two thousand, two thousand and nine, but it was ten. Yeah. Ten years in that sense. Of yeah. course, because yeah, two thousand being the first yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. But I mean that 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 was obviously a big chunk of time, and, and that was a that was a period when when you guys were being very productive uh, generally in terms of um, presumably making shorts at that point predominantly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, um, talk us through that, the, the sort of evolution of that little bit, because I, I remember just from having a chat to you that um, vaguely, I can't remember the exact details. When we were at the festival, I remember you, you mentioning that Woodstock was kind of an inspiration for the name and that um, and that obviously you're from Luton. So that, that was where the film, the film festival was set. But how did how did that all start off? How did that? Because, I mean, it was such for those of you that are listening that 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 haven't been to Filmstock or don't know about it. I mean, what I think for me anyway, what was amazing about Filmstock was it was just, it was such a lovely, welcoming environment. And it felt like it was put together for for filmmakers. It didn't feel like it was um, a, a cynical affair or, or a sort of cash-orientated affair. It felt like it was a celebration of film. And it felt, it was, felt like it was being made by two filmmakers as well, being put together. So, I mean, what, what was it, how did that all start out? You know, what was, what was it that got, got the process rolling for setting up the festival in the first place? Well, it wasn't cash, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> it was never, never, a, yeah, would have been foolish to think it was about money. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's kind of what you're saying there, really, just filmmakers um, and kind of being from Luton was key. So it was myself and uh, my filmmaking and kind of, yeah, all round creative collaborator, uh, Justin, uh, Justin Doherty, as he was then, Justin John Doherty, as he is now, uh, having got married. And, yeah, we were just young friends in Luton who loved movies. And I went off to uni and then came back to his office. He was working at the Sixth Form College as a technician. And he had this sign on the wall which said, Film Stock, Luton Film Festival. And I hadn't gone to, to uni in London. I hadn't gone to live in London. I, I, I was just studying there, but I was living at home. And I said, like, where's this? What's this? You know, this sounds great. Luton Film Festival. And he's like, oh, I've just been watching a lot of Woodstock and Sort of made a logo and I just I'd like to I think you know it'd be good to have a film festival that felt like Woodstock and I was like yeah that would be that would be cool you know as 19 year olds think yeah that would be cool um you know where it was just about the it was just about the movies and being together you know in the way that Woodstock was about the music and being together like there was no there was that was it that was the you know and you, you felt that uh certainly watching the film Woodstock and so I was like, that sounds cool. Who are you doing it with? And he was like, no one. It's just a kind of idea. And then I went home and couldn't stop thinking about it. And I said, you know, I sort of phoned him, I think the next day or and said, like, you know, I'm in. Let's let's do this. And that was it, really. That started that kind of cemented conversations and sort of the stuff that we we talked about when we were at college. And he was making films at college and I was starting to write. And uh, he had an idea for a 50s B movie. Um but he couldn't write or didn't want to write. And uh, I was interested. So I wrote a script called They Came For A Day. And um, that became our first short in 2001. So I gave him the script and he really liked it and said, let's make this together someday. And then after we did the first film stock, we realised we wanted to work together sort of full on. And then we sort of, then we started making films together and film stock and, and the films kind of grew alongside each other for 10 years. And the, the main the main aim was, yeah, as you say, was to create something that, you know, would be world class in Luton where people would filmmakers if they if they did a world tour of their film when they got to Luton and Filmstock, they would 
be appreciated for making the thing in the first place, which is still really rare at film festivals to actually be welcomed and say, thanks for coming. Your film's great. You know, what can we do to kind of make you stay a nice one? And there are a lot of film festivals where you just feel it, it feels like you're you're part of a machine or that you're a number. Um, and, you know, and, and sometimes not through any any fault of the people running the festival. It's just there's so much to organize. Whereas whereas with with Filmstock, you know, uh, it always felt like you guys made a real effort to um, to reach out in advance of the festival, but then at the festival to actually, you know, to make it all about the films and the filmmakers, yeah. which was really nice because it's not always it's not always like that. No, and you know, I mean, I've been to festivals, and it's like you just think, "Why am I here?" Like they don't, no one knows I'm here, no one cares I'm here. Then you watch your, then you watch your film, and it projects in the wrong ratio, or the sounds really low, or it's the projector's out of focus, and you're like, "This is just a complete waste of everyone's time." You can't see why a festival's doing it. And also, the other thing is that we are huge supporters of Luton and champions of the place, which we think is deeply misunderstood, despite its problems. But we always knew that, you know, getting people to Luton would be difficult particularly in the UK but but when they got there we wanted them to 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 kind of to be able to go wow this is not the place that I've heard on the news or thought of that people say you know it's not just an airport it really kind of showed them that the, what the place was which was just great people you know our audience are great and you know that was shown last year when we came back after 10 years and it's always a nice vibe and nice atmosphere and yeah, it kind of sticks out on people's circuit now, which is really nice. Where did you hold it last year? We had the Hat Factory. Which you had the was, Hat Factory back? Okay. Yeah, yeah, they closed for a major refurbishment and we were one of the first things back in there after it reopened, which was nice. Um, we used Just, uh, Justin's Jazz Club, um, the Bear Club in Luton, which is a fantastic space. And then uh, in the, the interim between stopping the first time and coming back, uh, a, a charity called Youthscape, which does a lot of Christian uh, outreach work, particularly for young people, has this amazing space right next to Justin's Bear Club, uh, Jazz Club, and that was yeah, just a that was where we had our food and our kind of mess hall and the festival centre and a couple of screening rooms. It was just it's a phenomenal space and the kind of space that we would have killed for in the first time round, but um, we're so lucky to get this time and they gave us it for the whole duration and we're really lucky and yeah, that worked out really well. And would you do it again? We will do it again. Yeah, obviously yeah. not this year, I guess. No, not this year. Um, even before that, uh, we weren't. It, we we did it as a one-off. Um, you know, sort of like we'll do this as a one-off and see how we feel about it. Because obviously, Justin and I don't live. You know, we don't share an office anymore. We live three three hundred miles apart. So to see if we could if we could do it together and if we enjoyed doing it together, and what it felt like to be back in the room, and it was so much fun. And it was so positive and everyone had a great time and it was really, it was probably better than it was the first time round. You know, there was a, there was less pressure, you know, it felt more, more celebratory, even though it was a very celebratory festival anyway. And um, we were like, okay, we could bring this back at any time and knowing that there's an audience and that it doesn't have to be, it was very different last year in terms of its makeup. So now it's, now it could be anything when it comes back and we know that people will come out for the name and that's really rewarding. So watch the skies, I should say. Okay. I didn't realise that the the partnership between you and Justin as filmmakers started as a result of Filmstock. Like, I was never sure whether it was one way around or the other. But, I mean, with the, has, that's, that's pretty much always been the dynamic, hasn't it, with you as writer and um, Justin as director? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he's he's directed everything and uh, I've written everything and we've produced together um, out of necessity because <laughs> we could never found a producer who, who could work with us or that we could work with. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's always just been the two of us. And that that dynamic and that kind of split of kind of strengths and responsibilities is has carried us through carried us through film stock and all of the shorts and then onto the feature uh, and everything else we've done like comedy shows and plays and running a, a creative space and all that kind of stuff well let's talk a little bit about the feature because because the the feature wilderness it's a period piece as well which i wasn't expecting when i saw it and um it's got a very for me anyway had a very sort of french new wave kind of feel to it you know talk a little bit about where that came from because you guys got together and made that i think if i'm right after a period of 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 obviously not having done film stock together and had you already moved to falmouth by that point or yeah so yeah i mean we we made our last short together in 2000 2010 2011 uh it's called it's natural to be afraid and that felt like a a a kind of uh, an evolution of our filmmaking definitely from the earlier films um and but around that time, just as you remember, it was sort of recession time and all of our kind of film education projects that we were working on had just kind of collapsed um, in that uh, debacle. So we found ourselves kind of having to do other things, really. And I went off and did a doctorate and I'd started the doctorate just as we finished the last short. And then that took took up my whole life, really. And I got a job teaching in a further education college in Bedford. Um, and then I moved here in 2013 and then finished the doctorate when I was down here. And so we just, we would, we just, we were just friends for that time, you know, like there wasn't really any space and he was building his jazz club as well at the same time and kind of working, sort of doing corporate work and stuff like that. And it was a real, it felt like the right moment to kind of, to change. It felt like the right moment to stop film stock and, and kind of pursue a different kind of filmmaking, but there were other, the other factors were just that we couldn't, we just couldn't do what we'd done before. And I had to think about a long-term kind of career change. And, um, and then, so the, I did the doctorate, which then brought me down here to Falmouth. But when I, my doctorate was on film education and how film was taught in universities. And one of the things that happened when I got here was my boss said, you know, what should we be doing based on your research? And I said, well, I think we should be making feature films. Um, you know, like, professionals should be making them not students um but the students should be working on them and uh, we should be funding them and we should be making micro budget work which was you know something i seriously believe in and a lot of my research is in that but um there's also this is the this is the filmmaker in residence yes, pro- project yeah, 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 isn't yeah. it so, you set up yeah so this was also me saying you know can i get someone to give me the money to make a feature film <laughs> um and so that went through the process of and i said to justin like you know i'm this is what I'm pitching. I'm pitching that we can do this, knowing that it would be a real punt in the dark, whether it could even be done, you know, certainly with the amount of money and time that would be available. But I knew that Justin, having worked on educational projects with me for years, would be up for it. And also that our our approach was always, you know, we'll make it work, you know, money, time, whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. So I was amazed they said yes. Um, and gave me yeah kind of a budget um which i did ask i did ask for a bit more um than i'd already than originally said because when they said yes then i kind of sat down and was like this is not really going to stretch but um went back and they agreed 
the the slightly higher budget um and i knew that this was in a this was like september 2015 and i knew that we'd be we'd have to shoot it easter april 2016 in the two week period where there would be a spring break for students that was the only window that we had that would work um and that was it and they said yes so then i said to justin we're making a feature and we don't have one <laughs> so um i had to write one um in, in very very quick order um yeah so that's how that kind of came about really and then in, from september to january i wrote the script and then we went into pre-production in january 2016 and we shot it in we shot it in a shot it in 12 days in cornwall uh and one day in luton in the jazz club okay yeah because most of it's most of it's on the the single location yep. isn't it or, yeah. or around based around that okay wow that's i mean that's i i have to say i do think the, the filmmakers in residence um program is just an absolutely brilliant idea for just so many reasons i mean the benefits that it's got for for students so you get to work you know um on a on a professionally made film by professional filmmakers but you know through the university essentially and i'm i'm assuming as well it, i mean it must be great for the university just in terms of you know helping even raise profile just because it's producing its own professional films as well as you know through the course that it's because i can't think of any other course that does something like that no it's um yeah it's unheard of really to actually kind of pay for a feature film to be made in the the walls of the school by professional filmmakers using using student crew i mean there was four professionals excluding actors and the rest were students um you know and and like m- most of them i think all of them had never been on a professional film set bar one you know so it's it's really hard to make films like that um but you know the aim was yeah kind of there are so few opportunities to make features. There will be feature filmmakers champing at the bit to have that kind of support and resource. And we have the staff and the the, the technical resources to be able to to deliver high grade work. So why not? Why not kind of get involved? And yeah, as a it's it's worked wonders for the uni because I've gone around the world with it to festivals and it spreads the word. And you know, there's um, there's so much kind of traction in showing those photos at open days and showing the short making of to students and saying look what we do here you know it's it's a recruitment tool that is is yeah kind of yeah untouchable for other other places really so it's it's been beneficial to them and and it's been great yeah it's been great for for me you know um as a filmmaker but also what was great about it was the students see me as a filmmaker you know i know i'm a filmmaker but there is, there is still, and I write about this in some of the research I've done, there's still a perception that if you stand on a stage and talk about filmmaking, you can't possibly do it. You know, I am just a teacher of it. And being able to be on set with students while I was working as a filmmaker and them seeing that kind of changed so much in terms of the how they kind of took on what I would say in a classroom, you know, which was a real benefit of it. Um, so how, do, how does it work? Do you... Do you try and do one every couple of years or how does it work or is it just sort of an ongoing thing and you just see when sort of when when an opportunity arises we're trying to get into some kind of cycle and system with it really so there's one feature that the follow-up feature to wilderness called long way back is just being finished off in post at the moment and that was shot in spring last year um is it spring last year is that one that you guys made or no i just kind of worked on it as a kind of yeah the guess producery kind of thing from the university's point of view 
uh, but it's some Cornish filmmakers who'd made a couple of features um, called the Harvey Brothers. They made uh, two features called Weekend Retreat and uh, Brown Willie. And yeah, that's their new new feature. But we've also kind of got into much more into short film work and sort of developing graduates and sort of building building careers really. So there's there's a lot of shorts that we've made that are either in finished or in post where we've brought back graduates who are at different stages of their careers and funded graduate shorts and brought kind of graduates who are working in the industry in camera or post production back to be heads of department. So kind of again kind of hopefully speeding up their their progression which has worked really well um, and the idea is that then we are invested in those filmmakers as we go forward and and obviously there's people like Mark Jenkin who's you know an anomaly in any sense but uh, is a is a lecturer of ours and we've supported his work for years and uh, obviously obviously with Bait that that's kind of shone a light on what we do within the university in a huge way you know as as mentioning as being mentioned in a BAFTA award-winning speech you know could could do as you could imagine so it's um it's a good time for the for the university and the 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 lab the sound image cinema lab that we run which is the filmmaking arm of the the research school it's a it's an interesting model because there's there's elements I mean it's obviously university but there's elements of 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 a film school in there, there's elements of a, of a production company in there. It's all kind of mixed into one, which I think is great. You know, it's, yeah. it's unique. Well, we we teach indie filmmaking, really. You know, the students want to learn. They want to learn kind of Star Wars level filmmaking. You know, because that's that's their aspiration of the sets they want to work on. But really, we teach indie filmmaking, and you know, that's my background. Is is how how do you get the thing made? You know, how do you how do you make any project? You know, whether it and that was the the way it was with film stock and all of our shorts is finding finding enough money and finding the right mechanism to get the thing made and get it out into the world so that you are in charge of the process um and that's really hard and of course it's where the vast majority of people will start out as exactly, well obviously yeah. so it's you know it's a, it's a really important grounding i think i didn't realize that um mark jenkins was a lecturer at Falmouth has he been doing that for quite a while before making bait so did that sort of relationship build up as a result of you guys working together there, or? yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Mark was Mark's been a lecturer there for I want to say about ten years or so, you know, just part time um, around his other filmmaking, and the uh, the the film course had had sort of a little bit of money in support of his earlier features, Midnight Drives, and then he's going to feature at Broncos House, Happy Christmas as well, which is another sort of indie feature he made. Um, and uh, then Bronco's House, uh, which was the pre-bait film that he shot on film, you know, had we sort of s- supported in terms of a little bit of cash, some students or graduates, and then um, resources, particularly post-production resources like dubbing and uh, things like that, uh, grade, dubbing and grade, usually in-house. Um, so when bait came along, you know, it was just it's Mark's next film, so of course we're going to be involved kind of thing. Um, and no one saw that coming including Mark, um, you know, we all felt he was capable and deserved it, but you just don't know what, what's going to, what's going to happen. And yeah, to, to be able to have sort of students on set as extras watching him work. And then at the premiere in Berlin, um, on a, you know, sort of a thousand seat screen was surreal, but, but wonderful. For me anyway, watching it, one of the charms was that you, you can kind of, it's, it's brilliantly synced, but you can kind of tell that it's, it's been recorded in post-production, but there's something about that that gives it 
gives it a charm, which I think just really elevates it in a way that you could imagine going into it. You think actually this might hamper it a little bit, but actually it's one of the one of the one of the most um, impressive aspects of it. I mean, was that something he talks about at all? Was it was it was it purely a technical uh, restriction? behind why he did it that way or did he deliberately want to do it for aesthetic reasons yeah i mean yeah they're all kind of mixed in together you know the kind of the, the creative and the 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 technical and the limitations you know when he made when he made bronco's house that was just the easiest way to do it you know like it's just easier <laughs> it's easier in terms of his his kind of approach to the filmmaking you know like get the image um and then get the audio and he's he's interested in sound so he's interested in the properties of sound as a as a cinematic tool so it's like what can what can happen in that in that process of building the sound design um you know and he kind of scored it accidentally and then got the record released on invader records which was you know like everything is just creative problem solving as he goes and kind of making creative decisions but you know bait was for many of us watching it was kind of like a culmination of a period of work that Mark's been doing. So there's um, a couple of shorts on the BFI release, uh, um, the essential Cornishman and uh, enough to figure fill up an egg cup, you know, which are, they're all made in the same way. You know, the, the, this is bait. Wasn't a new thing for him, although it feels like a new thing for the world. Um, you know, it felt like a step up in terms of a, a, a journey that he's been on for a while. And, it's just, I remember sort of seeing the rough cut and thinking like this is this is something else you know he's 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 doing something else here which is terribly exciting yeah yeah but for him it's just a continuation of where he was going from the previous work yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's okay. well worth checking out to see you know yeah and I think um I imagine I imagine Bronco's house will be more readily available soon it's a 45 minute um uh kind of featurette and yeah the BFI disc has his other shorts on which give you a sense of yeah kind of what he's been interested in the last few years so are you working on anything at the moment is there another feature in the in the being planned hopefully yes so wilderness should be out on video on demand in the autumn um we are with a distributor at the moment sort of putting that together um so that will be released which would be nice to have it out in the world and then i've just finished the first draft of what might be the follow-up um which i finished in lockdown so um part of my summer will be second drafting that but very excited about that um in the meantime i've made a short which was one of these graduate uh hp lovecraft adaptation um which was directed by a uh sort of friend down here who's a a Falmouth graduate from yeah he graduated about sort of 10 years ago and uh but this will be with me and justin kind of going back on back on the filmmaking road yeah it's nice it's nice to think yeah to think about what's next finally after a, a kind of period of of kind of living with wilderness and going through that that kind of post festival uh kind of you know sort of terrain of, of finding someone to release it and we never thought we'd necessarily get anyone to release it but 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 a, a kind of knowing people through film stock and through working at the university we've met people who will see our you know that we would that will watch our stuff that you couldn't we couldn't dream of if we were just a filmmaker we used to say like you know kind of having a film and sort of cutting it under your arm and it's, you know just getting people's attention is hard but when you do other things like festivals and teaching film you just end up in these relationships with people that you just can't you can't imagine any other way and 
that was really nice was having people watch wilderness and say actually i think i can i think i can help with this you know and and sort of take it take it further than we probably would have imagined it would go because it's such a small film really in any sense of the word it's a quiet late 60s jazz romance um and uh shot for nothing so it was it was always just an exercise and the, the first film we wanted to tick off and to to know that it's going to have any form of releases is really exciting yeah although well that's the thing isn't it i mean to get a feature film made in itself is uh, i think a real achievement it's so hard to do but also to get a feature film made that is something that you want to a story that you want to tell and one that's as as well put together as something like wilderness as well i mean that must have been that must have been really satisfying as well being able to travel around different festivals with it and showcase it and talk about it it must be quite surreal i imagine given that you guys had run your own festival for a while did you find yourself going to other festivals and sort of thinking oh this is interesting you know maybe we could do something 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 like this at the next film stock or oh we could have done this better or were you just disconnected from all that no no i mean you know i think certainly for justin um it was one of the reasons that he wanted to to bring film stock back you know one one of the things that he said that you know was was kind of going around and and for the most part it just being a kind of really unsatisfying experience you know um you put so much work in and and there were great festivals you know we had we had some really fantastic festival experiences with wilderness but again a lot of the time you're just you're just turning up and it's costing you a fortune and you know we both had young families we sort of had our first child um within six weeks of each other and when we started the festival tour they were both about sort of six months old so there's a lot of time away from family and a lot of time you're just thinking why am i why am i halfway around the world and talking to no you know like and no one you know festival wise not the audiences the audiences are great but it's it's like you know just yeah it's a kind of lonely feeling sometimes so it kind of re-sparked the um the desire to do it but also the positive side of it did as well you know like being a filmmaker and having audiences respond to your film particularly a film like wilderness which really makes people question their relationships and and how they are in relationships it, it some of the conversations were really really interesting um and then knowing that at film stock there was a space that that was really encouraged you know and going to festivals where you're like actually they want they want that spill out you know they want they want there to be a conversation between audiences and filmmakers about the work which was really gratifying like you say because it had been a while you know sort of six years since we'd done film stock um six years since we'd made a film and toured it to actually you know to when we were on the road so it was it was um yeah it was it was nice it was nice to feel like a filmmaker again for sure um and to know that we'd made something which really made people uncomfortable <laughs> was fun as well yeah was it was the mute did the music come from uh justin's jazz club a little bit yeah i mean we both love jazz and the original kind of draft was sort of 1930s I got the idea from a short story that I read um, just in the sense of like a couple kind of go away blissfully in love and then realise that they're maybe not as in love as they thought. Um, And the original story I read was sort of 30s. So that was always the kind of touchstone. And then, you know, Justin and I sort of said, we don't really like the 30s. (laughs) Harder to pull off anyway. But we do like the, you know, mid to late 60s. We love the jazz of that period. You know, what if he's a jazz musician touring? you know um and particularly that kind of period of of jazz is really interesting and what's happening in the world is really interesting and that sort of came out through the casting as well like just these it's a really interesting period for us in terms of um 
yeah kind of the music and then what was great was yeah kind of justin's access again to labels and musicians so we re-recorded the ornette coleman track which opens the film that's our we've got their recording on that that's a, a jazz um a jazz group that we that justin knows that we got to perform that and and uh then other labels helped out because they they knew justin and artists played at his his place so yeah like everything you know it's a community and it's it's kind of building good relationships through what you do that help make those things kind of come to life and the music really stands out for a lot of people and that's again we're, we're thankful that we've got those relationships to call on i think i should probably draw it to a close there for the podcast um so i really it just all, all that it suffices to say is again thank you neil for taking the time to join us it's been brilliant to talk to you not only about your films but about the amazing film stock film festival and of course the cinematologists which is uh, a brilliant ongoing project in which i would strongly recommend anyone listening to this to um to tune in and listen to and subscribe to the podcast because they're they're brilliant they're they're a great um combination of sort of film analysis and love of film and just sort of general general argumentative chit chats which are always good fun um so thank you very much Thank you. Yeah, it's been really nice to reconnect over the last few months and uh, and see you again and talk to you again. Um, yeah, and I hope that when I'm back in Luton and there are less restrictions, uh, we can we can catch up properly. Well, that's it for another K Film podcast. I hope you enjoyed the chat with the brilliant Neil Fox. We've got some excellent podcasts coming up in the next few weeks, which I'm very excited about. So until next time. Mm-hmm.